welcome to Les Pod. You are here, my friends, because you believe in the LGBTQ community and the importance of sharing our individual stories to help Im impact one another. The goal of the show is to introduce you to people and ideas that are going to help motivate you to pursue your passions and inspire you to believe in yourself. Okay. We have uh, remarkable guests on this show every week. And this week, we are honored and privileged to have Rose, the real shot caller from The Real L Word. Garcia on the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. It's crazy after 10 years that people are still like from the real L word and it feels like it's, it was like a lifetime ago. It's crazy. It has been. A, it's been a decade. It's been a decade. Yeah. And, and it's recently it was brought to my attention that it's, it's streaming again, I guess on Hulu and Netflix. So it's getting like a whole new sort of a set of, of, of eyes on it and it's resurrecting itself somehow. That's awesome. So more, more people are getting introduced to, to who you are and what you've done and how you've, you know, kind of made an impact. If We're you've seen the show, that's a good and bad thing. So. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about who you are, you know, how you kind of got into the, the L word scene. Well, Professionally, I'm, I'm a real estate professional. I've been doing that for 21 years. So when the, um, a rewinding back to how I got involved in the show, um, I was really good friends with Eileen Chaikin's wife, um, who then introduced me to Eileen. Um, they were friends back, back then before they were, they were married. And I sort of got into that group and, um, you know, was part of her storytelling. She, when she was doing the L word, she had um, did a bit of research with me and my friends and we would take her out and sort of connect her to the scene. So when she's writing her stories, the scripted L word, she was sort of depicting in real time what was happening in the community. And through wow. that, um, she created the, the Boppy character, which was loosely based on me at the time. And then through that, Fast forward, when she decided to do a docu-series, she came to me first and she's like, look, we're just going to film you for 24 hours and we're going to see if we can put together a quote unquote storyline that would fit the stories that we're trying to, you know, tell. Um, she's like, I think you have a, a strong, you know, message with you being, you know, Latina, Puerto Rican, Catholic, um, super close to your family. She's like, I think I can you know, sort of showcase that. Um, so we're going to film you for a day and see if we can make that happen. So shortly, a few hours into filming, they're like, it's happening. Like, you know, we, we love, we love what we're seeing. Um, they happened to catch me the day that they were doing the casting filming when it was a busy day it was on a Sunday. Yeah. So I was a part of a lesbian softball team. So oh, we, nice. filmed, we filmed like a softball game. Then we filmed going to my family's and we filmed going out. It was just like a whole thing. So um, yeah, that's how I got on the show. Um, I found out like via text and they were just like, you're on. And then I had to kind of go through a series of uh, meetings with Showtime because Showtime was basically the final decision maker. Um, and it was just like, yes, 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 yes. And then before you knew it, we were filming 12 hours a day, six days a week. Wow. And yeah, what did that feel like? Yeah, what does it feel like to go from like the real world? We were filming. What's interesting is that there were, you know, obviously other folks like Mikey, Nikki, and Jill, and Whitney Mixter, and um, Tracy Ryerson. So there was 
different folks that were being filmed at the same time in LA, which really people think it's a big, you know, lesbian scene, but it's not, it's very small. Um, And they kept our filming and storyline sort of separate. Right. So it would be interesting because you, I would be out and then I would see a camera on Whitney across the club. And then I'm like, wait, is that person on the show? Cause I didn't know her. And it was just kind of like, wait, what's going on here? And it, it was, it was weird in a sense. Yeah. Um, it, it, after the first week, you kind of get used to it, to be honest with you. And you don't realize you're being filmed because it just becomes a part of your life. Right. And since I was in real estate and the market had sh- recently had crashed, I wasn't working a regular nine to five. So it was easy for me to be able to just film and then do my work before, after, or during breaks. Yeah. Um, and it was easy to still conduct business because uh, I was self-employed. And most of the gals that were on, same thing. They were all, you know, either in the entertainment industry or like Mikey owned a production company that did fashion week. So everyone kind of was in control over their own professions to be able to, you know, give 110% to the project, which we all, we all did. That's awesome. Wow. That's, that's really rare. And that's, that's really nice. But you do get used to the cameras. Like you hear people say that and you're like, well, how is that possible when you're filmed 12 hours a day, six days a week after the first week? It just, you get used to it. Like you do everything else, you know? And yeah, like, it becomes like a shadow, right? Yeah, it does. Um, and the producers become sort of like a part of your family and friends. Right. Um, so that kind of goes into your like daily routine. The only hard part was you couldn't watch TV and you couldn't listen to music because they have yeah. to get, you know, sign offs on all those rights. So I remember one time I had the flu and I was on a couch and they legit were filming me li- sitting on a couch doing nothing. And really? they're, like, <laughs> they're like, we have to film you. And that was kind of weird. That was the only time I felt that the cameras were a bit, it was a bit much. Yeah. Well, but that's really that, cool. it was fun. That's really neat. That's really neat. Um, tell us a little bit about who you are as a person. Um, you know, aside from being passionate about real estate, you know, how was it for you growing up as a child? Um, did you know that you were gay? Um, if you, you know, at what age and how did you kind of come out? Well, I grew up with, a, a my grandmother raised me. She's, you know, Catholic, old school, Puerto Rican. Um, by way of, of Puerto Rico, they went to New York where my mom met my dad. Then um, my uncle moved to LA and brought the whole New York side of, of our family to LA, which is, I was the first person born in Los Angeles. My sister was born in New York City. Um, so I'm full on born and raised in LA, which is kind of interesting because there's no Puerto Ricans out here. You know, it's kind of, it, it's kind of like, it's, it's a Mexican sort of based Latino uh, community. Yeah. So, um, you know, growing up was, was awesome actually. Cause I grew up with my grandmother. She raised me. My mom had me at 19. She was a young mom. Um, awesome mom, but very young and kind of hands off my grandma. You know how it is in Latino culture, the grandparents sort of step in and take over raising the kids, which is what happened in my case. Um, and I didn't come out, I came out pretty late considering that I had such an accepting family came out at 19 because I was worried that, you know, I wouldn't be accepted knowing that my family was such, you know, based on their religious beliefs. Um, I had a cousin named Jasmine who had came out several years prior to that. And although she was accepted, the chatter of the family of them talking about her and things that they would say kind of made me revert back. Mm. Um, and then 
I opened up to a friend of mine, my best friend to this day, we're still very close and she was bisexual. And so I felt safe kind of telling her what I felt. Yeah. And she um, was like, look, you're 19, come out, tell your mom, tell your family. If it doesn't work out or you feel uncomfortable, you can come stay with me. I have my own apartment. Like you're fine. You're like my sister. And one night I went out, I, I went out with a girl and I came back and I was all like nervous. Like my family knew. And I went to her house. She called my mom and literally was like, your daughter's gay. I'm overhearing her freaking out. I'm literally going to tell you she's gay. My mom's like, yeah, everyone knows. <laughs> They're like, we all knew. We all knew that she liked girls. No one cares. Um, and that's pretty much how I came out. And that was shown on the show, or at least we talked about it on the show. And my family never really gave me a hard time. The only rule my grandmother had, which would be a rule, even if I was into boys, was don't take anyone upstairs to your room. Right. Because, you know, they, she couldn't identify whether a girl was a friend or someone I was dating. Yeah. She's like, other than that, like live your life and have fun. And it is what it is. Right. Just be respectful. That was it. Yeah. And I was a good student and a good kid. So I didn't really while out until, you know, the age of like 24, 25, when I started hitting the lesbian scene and realizing there was a bigger world out there, shall we say? Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. That's great. I'm really glad they were accepting of you. Yeah, I was really really lucky. I was really lucky. Yeah. What, what message would you have to the people out there that don't have it as easy, you know, that, that aren't, parents aren't necessarily as, as accepting and, you know, embracing of. Well, we live in a different time now. I think back, you know, when I came out, it was the early nineties, which was a different sort of social environmental climate that it is now. I mean, obviously families and religious folks, you know, everyone has their own different situation depending on their familial you know, situation, but society has been way more accepting um, than it was when, when I first came out in the nineties. You know, yeah. um, it was a, a different situation than it is now. Um, so I think, I'm not gonna say it's easier because everyone has a different, you know, situation. and and. Being a part of, of the show, I was able to travel throughout the entire country and wow. through the entire world. Like we've been to Australia and to parts of Europe, but being in the U.S. and going to places like Oklahoma and going to different parts of Texas, like we did appearances in, in El Paso, and you're in these smaller communities um, that are not as accepting, uh, even, even in 2021. Um, you can see how it could be harder for a lot of folks to sort of hide, um, you know, their true identity and what they believe in. Um, In Oklahoma, it's interesting because I've done six appearances there and made a lot of friends with the LGBTQ community in that, in that city. Um, They have like a little, one little street that's sort of like their neighborhood. But when you step out of that, you know, and I I remember going to a, a liquor store with my friend, Angel, who's one of the big promoters out there. And, you know, she's, she's sort of what we would say butch, right? You know, so we walk into the store and these dudes are like, oh, they, they have open carry. Like they literally have their guns and stuff like, you know, cowboy guys, right? Yeah. And they walk in and they're giving us the dirtiest looks and like, sort of like ill, like, you know, just giving us these horrible, hateful stares. And I remember being like fearful, like super scared. And looking at Angel and saying, dude, aren't you scared? Like, you just like, you're acting like nothing. And she's like, I'm used to it. Like, it's part of life in Oklahoma and especially 
especially when we, we head out to the rural parts and they're having like a backyard buggy or a porch party, what they call, um, you know, that's what they have to, to live with. So right. I think it just depends on where you live, um, you know, and, and it's still hard for a lot of folks out there, which is, which is pretty sad. Yeah. Yeah, it is sad. Um, but it, I think it's important that we kind of, you know, pay attention to the people that are still struggling with finding their own voice, you know, um, what's, what's something that kind of inspired you to be yourself? Did anybody that, you know, that you kind of looked at from like a, a an iconic standpoint inspire you, or was it just like, I just want to be myself and you decided to, to come out? I think, um, I think it was honestly, my best friend was like, you know, you're never going to be happy until you really just truly accept yourself and tell your family. Cause then you're going to li live this sort of double life. Right. And the fact that she's like, if it doesn't work out, you have a place to, to stay made it a lot easier, which a lot of folks don't have that, you know, privilege to be able to have someone to, to tell them, Hey, you can come here. Here's your safe haven. You're going to be okay. So having that support made it a lot easier for me just to say, this is what's going on. And um, surprisingly, like I said, I was super surprised my family was as accepting as they were. Yeah. I thought I was going to get a little bit of a backlash, um, a few comments, a few negative neg negativity, because I have a, a really big family. Yeah. And um, no, not one thing. It was super interesting. Um, and I'm still shocked by it to this day. <laughs> that's incredible though I mean that's a big deal and you know maybe that will inspire other people to to give their family some credit and maybe you know they will accept them for who they are yeah and doing the show um I was glad that they depicted the relationship I had with my family because through that before my Facebook got hacked um Showtime made us do like fan pages to be able to interact with the audience as the show was being released um and we would each take turns on interacting with fans and we would get these messages from folks from like Africa and from like all over the world basically saying like we watch this in secret with our friends and wow. you guys give us hope that there's like a life out there outside of what we have to deal with so in exchange for the, the I'm not going to say negative depiction because it really was me being a jerk off but <laughs> in, in exchange um being able to to show that there is visibility um yeah. you know in our community was like a, a huge trade-off that that was worth it to be honest um what's what's something that you kind of wish that you could see within the community more within lesbians specifically i think um more more visibility you know um i met the girls from tampa bays a couple of the girls that are awesome yeah um, at girls in wonderland um you know i know they got a little bit of flack for not being as diverse but and, and so did we, when we did the show, you know, I think everybody's going to have their own opinions depending on whatever. I think at the end of the day, as a community, any part of the LGBTQI spectrum, any part of it, if there's any type of visibility, I think it's a win for us as a whole. Um, and I, we're seeing more and more and more of that, um, not only through docu-series, but in network television. So that way, you know, if there is that kid in Oklahoma or anywhere else, they can sort of see a mirror of themselves being, you know, reflected um, and feel, quote unquote, normal when they don't in that environment that they're in. Um, so I think any type of visibility in our community is, is really extremely important.
um, and as a whole, we should we should support any any part of that spectrum. Yes, yes, absolutely. How was Girls in Wonderland? Oh my God! You know, it's like the best thing ever. <laughs> um, Actually, I haven't I haven't been before. I'm still. Oh, you! I'm telling you now, it'll change your life. Like I'm not even exaggerating. Like I've been doing the party circuit since the the real L word, you know, ten years ago. Yeah. Um, but I've been to, and I'm gonna age myself. I've been to 22 dinas. Oh wow! Um, so I I was a diner girl because I'm from the West Coast, and that was like my thing. And that was I remember first going to Dinah when I was like in my early twenties and showing up to the pool and saying, Oh my God, I've never seen so many lesbians in my life. Like, cause that's right. I never had in one like area. And then you started meeting people from like England and Australia. And it was like, Oh my, it was like so cool to like have this huge community and like be free and accepting and have fun and not have to worry about anything. And the most important thing was everything was curated for you. Right. So it was like, the night parties, the pool parties, it was just overwhelming as a young lesbian to get out there and just to be in that environment. Fast forward, I do the real outward and these girls reach out to me and they're like, we want you to do, you know, Girls in Wonderland. And I went for the first time and it was like, if Dinah had a college age baby who just threw a crazy party, it was just insane. Um, it, Dinah's, Dinah's more West Coast, a little bit more I don't want to say polished because I feel like Girls on Wonderland is too. It's just a, a bit more LA, West Coast, like kind of, di it's different. Right. And when you go to Girls on Wonderland, I guess because it's more of a college town, the Latinas come down from New York, Jersey. It's that East Coast vibe. It's just insane. Like they have a day party, the, the pool party. They yeah. have the night party. Then they have an after hours, both days that go till uh, 6 a.m. Wow. So that's like crazy. Like you're yeah. literally partying for like 14 hours. Nonstop. That's nonstop. Crazy. Nonstop. It's a lot of fun. It, this year was obviously both events. It was a COVID year. It was the first time that Dinah did it post COVID or pre during COVID. And so did Girls in Wonderland. And um, both of them did really good jobs. Uh, both producing um, groups did great jobs of making sure everyone was safe, vaccinated, they did the wristbands, the whole thing. Um, nice. There were no major outbreaks, thankfully, in either events. They both um, were super successful considering they were packed, they were fun, safe, all that good stuff. So um, I know Dinah's going to stay in October because it used to be in April. And right. she liked the fact that it was a little less hot because it's in Palm Springs. And then Girls in Wonderland is going to be back in action in June, which is right around the corner. Yeah, so yeah. I'll see you there. <laughs> Yes, you'll see me. Tell me a little bit about, you know, what you're doing now, what, what you're focused on, um, anything coming up? So I'm still doing a lot of the events. Um, you know, I'm still working with Dinah, Girls in Wonderland. Backlog Bash is another one in Chicago, which is their pride. They postponed it because of COVID. Yeah. Their, their event falls in June. Um, so all, all of the, the, the still party circuit and getting out there and, you know, supporting the community is still a big part of my life. I've slowed down a little bit, but still out there doing, um, all the fun stuff and supporting our, our community and anything that, that, that I get called for, I usually, you know, if I'm available, I'll jump at it and, and do it. So that's still a big part of my, my, uh, uh, yearly activities. Um, but I'm fully committed to real estate. It's what I do. It's what I've done for 21 years. It's my profession. 
Yeah. So, and I've been featured on all the fun shows like House Hunters, Million Dollar Listings, BuzzFeed, Newsweek, all that good stuff. So focusing nice. more on my real estate profession and, and getting that, you know, uh, continuing to, to thrive, which I love. We'll be sure to hit her up for real estate needs. All right. Yes, that's, that's my needs. thing. <laughs> awesome. Well, just to end the show, what, what is the, the legacy deep down that you want to leave behind as a person? Um, I feel like it's not over. You know, I feel like we're, I'm still a part of the community and still um, supporting uh, anything and everything that comes my way. Um, but, you know, just to be true to yourself and especially to the Latina community that, you know, sort of felt that the stigma of being, because I'm still fully Catholic. I know it's sort of, um, you know, people see it's like an oxymoron. How are you Catholic and you're a lesbian when your religion fully denounces it? Right. You have a new Pope that did give us um, our place. Um, but, you know, a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, folks in the Latina community feel like, in the Latino community feel like, like it's a stigma and it still is. And I still do get a lot of DMs and emails and, you know, messages of people still in the closet and feeling that they can't come out. So still, you know, being a part of, of, of anything I can in terms of visibility, I think is really important to our community um, and supporting anything else out there that I can going forward and well, partying and having fun in the meantime. So yes. Yes, definitely. Enjoying, enjoying the life while we've got it. Exactly. For sure. Well, thank you well, for everything you're doing. Cause this is, a, this is a, an important uh, part of our community as well. So what you're doing um, in bringing light to folks that have a platform is also important too. And to everybody out there watching, keep supporting. Thank you. I really appreciate that a lot. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on Les Pod. I appreciate it. I appreciate you sharing a little bit about who you are. Hey.